Welcome to the Gene GBT podcast. Don't achieve your dreams. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> your dreams are just dreams. They're fucking stupid. <laughs> I'm your host. They're here too. I don't know. I can't. I don't know what to start this. This is weird. We're just going to keep pushing through. We're going to talk about stuff. We're going to talk about life. We might talk about death. We might talk about achieving your dreams. I don't know. I'm just here. Doing the podcast. Okay. Once again, I'm a professional. Look at the background. Mm. We want to talk about today. It's, I mean, at this point, we're reaching the end of when people are like really motivated about their New Year's resolutions for fitness, for life. And I was curious to see a, a do you guys have. New Year's resolutions. I mean, we're four weeks in, so maybe not. But have you noticed anything in terms of you're looking forward to in terms of training or any events coming up in the year in terms of powerlifting or any training sort of methodologies you are trying to use in this new year now that everyone is sort of coming back into the gym? That's a um, lot of questions at once. I get that. Yeah, there was like nine questions. Um, I think um, for me personally, I I said to a few people I wanted to try to read more. Um, I used to read a ton, um, and not just like training, like just for um, like fiction too. And I haven't been doing that a lot recently, so I'm trying to be a little bit better about that. Um, so hopefully, I'll finish my first book that I've started in a long time soon. So I guess that's good. I'm doing better with that. Um, we've seen some, you know, we've seen some new faces at the gym. So I, you know, the new year's resolutions are definitely kicking in. Um, you know, I, I've always said that we're not necessarily that kind of gym. Um, but it's, I think it's maybe a little bit in the fact that because we're more of a niche gym, I think people that come to us, maybe we're already at a gym, but we're thinking about trying something different. They just haven't done it yet. Um, and then the new year's resolution kind of kicks in and they're like, you know what, let me actually try this. Um, I don't think we get a lot of those, like never been to the gym. Let's go to the gym for the first time people. Um, but you know, so we've seen a little bit of that. There's, there's been some people coming in. So I think that's good. Um, I think the difference for us is that we do a really good job of keeping people around. So, you know, the average person makes it about three weeks in the resolutions and it's over. So they'd be done by now. Um, we kind of do a better job with that. So hopefully that keeps going. Um, Training, I guess, gets way more detailed. So uh, I guess I'll let you guys kind of answer some stuff and then we'll do there. Yeah, I mean, what essentially when it comes to other than like your own personal motivations, like wh- why is it do you feel that even though training is good for you, a lot of people feel good for like a long time while doing it. They reach like a point where they're like, Ugh, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I mean, obviously you can put time as a factor, just life gets busy, but if it's something that's like good for you or like that people really enjoy, it's kind of interesting to see how quickly that motivation dies in ter- in commercial gyms, not so much where we are. Yeah. But I mean, even I think with us too, um, you know, people want to try something different than motivation does Wayne. I think it's one of the things I talk about all the time, like motivation is this ever changing target. And, you know, you might be super motivated one day and then nothing the next. And, 
we're trying to build a habit. It's nothing to, like the motivation is waning. Um, but if you get in the habit of, you know, it, going to the gym and making it part of your day, then, then that's going to be the, the, the reason it lasts. Um, if you're trying to do just on motivation, those are the people that burn out in three weeks. Um, we want you to start slow, you know, build that habit, keep coming in. And then it just becomes routine where you just keep doing it. Um, and once it becomes routine, I think people start to understand, like a lot of the days are just check the box kind of days you come in you do the work. And you go home. There's no, they're not anything special. They're not anything bad. They just are. Um, and once you get, once you kind of understand that, it gets away from where like every day has got to be a good day. Like, you know, the a lot, the you know, you see no bad days or no off days. I'm like, I fuck off. Like everyone has bad days and off days. Um, let's maybe try to limit them. Um, but it's also like when you have those great days, it's almost you're going to be followed up by a bad day. So I like to kind of think of just stringing along as many moderate days in a row as, as we can and build over time. Um, so I think that's an important one. Um, but yeah, the motivation, like, I don't know, motivation changes all the time. It's not even like day to day. It's like hour to hour. Like, so to, when people get motivated to do something that changes so fast, but if we can build that habit and keep it going, then it, then it just becomes routine and you just kind of get up and do it. Cause I think like, especially for, all kinds of training, you know, once you get past like those beginner gains and it's not as fun anymore because you're not seeing that improvement every day and it's not as exciting because, you know, you maybe don't have a meet coming up or anything like it just, you're just putting in the work and that's what it is. It's just, you're putting in work to be better. Um, and continuing that is hard. Like it's just, it's way easier to sit at home, uh, and do nothing, but then you start to feel the, the effects of that too. And then getting back into it's even harder. So then it's just, you know, kind of a, a, a revolving cycle of shit. So if you can just kind of stay in it, it's probably better off. Um, and hopefully we can help. Keep your dreams. Yeah, there it is. There it is. <laughs> there are so many times you could have popped in and said it too. I know. Um, I think that's what kind of, um, I guess, separates us from like the, the commercial gyms or like an environment like ours is, it is, uh, we don't get as much burnout because I think people enjoy going to a gym where they don't, you know, they see the same people. It's almost like part of your day. And I, we use the word like clock in, but like, hopefully you don't think it's like a, a job that you hate, but, um, it's easier to come and show up to clock in sort of say, if you, the people around you are the same as every day, maybe you. Maybe you like them, maybe you don't, but it's like a familiar thing part of your day, not like going to an overcrowded commercial gym where uh, motivation would wane very quickly, um, in my opinion, at least. I think one of the things that, I mean, definitely Ryan has seen with me, but with a lot of uh, athletes at this gym, I think we don't get demotivated to stop working out. We just get tired of doing the same thing. And especially because we're in a very repetitive sport, if you will, it's literally just three lifts over and over again. So when you reach a point of like, man, like I'm in a rut in training, like how, how do you adjust or like, what do you guys do in terms of your training program where like we had a really good plan going, but they're losing motivation need to adjust elsewhere. I mean, we, we've talked about this before. Like, I think one of the things for me is I, I try to keep so much variety in the program to begin with. 
and maybe you just need even more variety. Um, and that could be exercises, sets, reps, weight. It could be so many different options. Um, I was showing someone today, like all the different kind of goals that I would set for a lifter in particular. So like, you know, if you're going to, if you're looking to squat this, then I want, I want, I, I want you to front squat this and pause squat this and safety squat bar this and blah, blah, blah. And he asked me like where that, those numbers came from. I said, that's just from like me coaching a ton of people and looking at like where people go and trying to get like a generalized percentage. Um, and now everyone's going to be a little bit different, but at least it gives more goals. So instead of thinking, well, this is my squat bench and deadlift goal. Now you've got like 37 different style squat goals and like 35 bench ones and 25 deadlift ones. And I'll throw in some other ones like cardio and body weight stuff and things like that. Just so now, like we don't have to focus on three things. We can, we can hit so many more things and we can take the th main three that everyone focuses so regularly on and maybe move them to the back burner a little bit um, and still be able to do some other things. So I think that just, I think that keeps people going. Cause it's, especially when you've been doing it for a while, like you guys have, like it's, you know, those, you're not hitting those PRs that regularly. They take a while to build. So when you're going weeks or months in between hitting PRs, what what's going to keep you going? Like I said, like, so the motivation is tough, but like the routine of doing it is what's going to keep you get into it at least day to day. But then, like I said, maybe you can have a new goal and say, okay, well, instead of having my deadlift goal, I'm going to have this new one of, I want to trap bar this or, want to RDL this or whatever. I want to do this many glued hams. Um, it just gives you something else that you can at least focus on in the short term. And I had this argument with people all the time. Like, I'm not saying that those things are going to directly affect your big three, but I don't think getting better, stronger, leaner, faster, better at some other movement is just not going to help at all. It might have not have a direct carrier over right now, but I think it's all going to help in the future. Um, so for me, I love having all those different things that you guys can work on and, and just, and build towards that, the, the big three, instead of just, just doing the big three. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how, um, I mean, I'm biased because I, I've tended to train the way that we do, where we do lots of variations and in bars and different exercises that aren't just powerlifting. Um, but the people that just focus on, uh, comp lifts with technique and like rep PRs, uh, forever, I think that they're all serial killers because that's fucking crazy. Like, I don't, well, I don't know how you can stay with one thing and, and have the tiniest little like, uh, thought or effect about something that you're doing when it's still the same thing you're doing over and over and over again. Um, so for me, it blows my mind that people can stay again, not motivated, but like stay training in the same few exercises consistently forever. Uh, and to me, that's one of the reasons people get burnt down and drop out. So, um, it is and nice. I think that's part of the other, go ahead. I think that's part of the problem is that like the people that are doing that, like we're, we're seeing, you know, something where of like 60 to 70% of people do one meet and then don't compete again. Um, and we talked about that in one of the other episodes is like, well, what do we do then to change that? And I think one of the things is how do we keep people training for longer? And if you, if training's boring, I mean, I know like, you know, I've said now a few times, like <laughs> I want it to be like a routine where you keep going, 
but I don't want the act of it being routine. Like I still want you to enjoy training and to push your training and to get better at training. The routine is that you're going and doing it all the time. And, you know, I was saying to someone before, like a squat is a squat, but like changing the bar can change the stimulus quite a bit. It can change the feel quite a bit, even though, you know, someone's like, they were afraid, well, if I saved you squat bar for too long, like I'm, I'm going to forget how to squat. Well, first off, you are squatting. You're just using a different bar. So you're not going to forget how to squat. When you switch back to low bar, it might feel a little awkward for the first little while, but it's going to come back very quickly. You've been squatting the whole time. It's not like you just stop squatting. You're just doing something slightly different, but that slightly different is going to feel way different, like on your body. Like, you know, if you're a 500 squatter, safety squat bar might be 440, um, might be hard as hell. Or if you're really bad at it, it might be way less. Um, so now it's like this, you know, it's this new stimulus that you can work on. And again, now you've got that new goal of like, wow, I'm terrible at this. Let's build this up. And I don't think that's going to hurt when you go back to the main lift and go to squat again. And I don't think your squat's going to be suddenly so much worse because you didn't focus enough on the squat. I think you're going to be fine. Um, it's the same thing, like, you know, for bench press, like, I don't know if, if you're laying down and pressing your arms away from you, how much different is it going to be? Like if your hands are neutral instead of uh, pronated because you're on a, a neutral grip bar instead of the regular barbell, like, are you forgetting how to barbell bench press? Like, no, you're doing the same thing. It's just slightly different. It's a slightly different uh, stimulus. It's slightly different intensity. It's just, and it's, I think it's, I think it keeps you going. I think it's fun. I just, I don't know. But I also get bored of shit with this stuff. Um, well, I mean, I think you if, said like to squat bench and dead and that's it. I would, I would be out of my mind. Well, I mean, and that is there, are there any exercises that either a you've like learned about that? You're like, well, I need to introduce this into my athletes or at like exercises that you're like, we used to do that a long time ago and then mm -hmm. we stopped, but I kind of want to bring that back. Yeah. Um, that happens a lot. Um, I was actually to someone the other day that like glute ham raises, like when we got our first glute ham, like 15 years ago from elite FTS, like we were all crap at it. And then we just got, we all focused on it. And I mean, I made people do glute hams every day before, like as a warm up for their lower body lifts. And then even on upper body days, we would still do some. And we got to the point where most of us were like ripping off sets of 20 pretty easily. Um, and I like, I got away from it because that small core that we were starting with, we got so good at them that we didn't really need them. We needed to do some other stuff. And then I gave them to someone recently and they got about a half a rep. And I was like, what was that? And they're like, these are so hard. And I was like, oh my God, I have not been giving these to like newer people because like, you know, I think of the older people that have been doing them for so long that are good at them. And they're like, oh, we don't need them. But like the newer people do. Um, so I started bringing in more glute hams, um, and trying to do it in a way that make sure that the people aren't cheating them. Cause everyone like really arches into it. So we're trying to do that a little bit more. And I think that's been super beneficial. Um, there's stuff that goes in and out all the time. There's stuff like, you know, I'll use the reverse hyper for a while and then I won't use it for a while. And like right now I'm not using it really at all. Um, I think a couple people are doing single leg, but really no one's doing, um, two leg reverse hyper right now. Um, new stuff. I mean, we see new stuff all the time. And I, I'll, if I see a new exercise, I'll go into the gym and when no one's around and I'll try it and see how hard it is. And if it's something that I think might be beneficial, then I give it to a couple people and see what they think. 
And then we start to kind of test it from there. Um, so I don't ever just like throw it in like, Oh, here's something new. Have fun. Um, I like to try to get an idea. I also probably think about some of these things for way much, way longer than I need to before I put them in. Um, I know before this, we talked a little bit like just talking about tempo. Like, I mean, I'm on several of the podcasts saying that tempo stupid. So I'm going to state that I'm changing my mind. Um, and that was like one, you know, that was, I, I guess you could say it's a new year's resolution too of trying to be more open. I always say that I'm a pretty open coach. And I'm willing to try new things, but at the same time I was like, no, this is stupid. So I'm trying to be better. Um, so I introduced tempo to a few people, but I do it a little bit differently than what most coaches do. Most coaches control the eccentric and blast the concentric. Um, I started doing uh, eccentric and concentric tempo. So everyone hates my guts. Um, that's really from listening to um, Peak Speak, the Australian podcast with John Sheridan and Thomas Lilly. Like they were talking about that. And I was like, ooh, that's a very different thought on, I think, the way you hear here. So like I wanted to try that. And I, I like almost instantly saw a couple really good things from the people that I was giving. I only gave it to like two people at the beginning and I saw that like their, their inefficiencies on the lifts really would shine because they wanted to run away from them so bad that they would like race away from the tempo. And when I made them stay to the tempo, they had to drop the weight so much and control the movement um, that both of them very quickly um, hit PRs on the main lift that we were using the tempo for. Now, I don't, I'm not saying that they hit that because of the tempo. Um, I think when you think about load management, like the tempo <clears throat> was just a way lower load. So they were getting a good stimulus because it felt hard, but they weren't loading the bar as much. They weren't as beat up. And I think that led to help, but also just them learning how to control some of the positions and be a little bit smarter through these movements and not uh, have things go wrong and and like try to race away from it, like just stay with it. I think that's been helpful. So I don't think it's like, Oh my God, tempo's the magic thing now. Everyone's going to do it, but I've been pretty happy with it. Um, and I think that also depends on the person, though, because like if you're already tempoing your lifts, because we have a lot of people that are just slow lifters, like I'm not sure adding more tempo is going to do anything there, unless you're talking about speed. Um, yeah. But I think that like the slower tempo, I'm, I've been pretty happy with that so far. Um, I think we've seen some good things. And that's, and like I said, I mean, I'm, I've been saying for years how I think tempo is stupid. So, this is a major change for me. And I think it threw a lot of people off because they like, didn't know what I was talking about. And I'm like, no, seriously, we're trying tempo. So, you know, we're pretty early into it, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. I think we're always uh, looking for, for new things to do and bringing back old stuff too. Um, even just like we'll have conversations with the gym and someone will be like, Oh yeah, we did this. And then that sparks a whole line of thought of like, maybe that inspires the next six weeks of your program. Like it, it, there's a lot of things that we've, I think we've done. Um, and it's fortunate that we have so many people um, that at the gym that we all coach that like a lot of people are doing very similar things. So we have a pretty good size test pool of like things that we could figure work or if we just get rid of it. But um, yeah, I think there's always, I'm always looking for stuff um we're always talking about stuff so there's always uh new exercises and new approaches and new things that uh make their way into programs and um i always like that i always like uh, even if it's something i feel is like 
stupid or something like oh this guy sucks but that actually is kind of cool or or like this is we done that all the time like this guy's terrible but that's actually kind of cool we'll take this um and just kind of extract and make our own thing i guess uh like to that to that uh vein uh is there other things that tempo being one of them where you were so adamantly like that's the dumbest thing i've ever seen and then you were like actually hold on a second there might be something there that, that like i didn't consider um, apart from tempo because we're beating that horse down <laughs> yeah no tempo's definitely the new one um and like i said it's still early so we'll see maybe it's just you know it's the it might be the novel stimulus right now it might actually be a waste of time but right now it seems i'm pretty happy with it um <clears throat> excuse me um no i like i like i'm it's weird because i'm always you know as being very west side influence like i'm cool with using all these different bars um but mostly for lower body i almost like forget about we have all these upper body bars like i've got like four different neutral grip bars i've got three different bars that you could bench with uh with a camber no four different bars you can bench with a camber two um we've got the thick bar like we've got I don't know. We've got slingshots. We've got boards. We, like I've got like 15 variations for upper body just on like things like that. And I think a lot of times I forget about them. Um, so I've been trying to be a little bit better about using more things and seeing what works and what doesn't work for people. Um, I know like the extended range of motion bars, the camera bars. Um, we've got at the gym, we've got the Buffalo, the Duffalo, the Yukon, which are in that order, like are, are more of a camber. And then the actual like small camber bar, which is probably the most like a bench press, but it's got that big five and a half inch camber in the middle. Um, I didn't usually use those a lot, especially because like the camber was like so much that it was, you were limited on how much weight you could use. Um, but I started playing around with it more and giving more people um, like maybe to a board or if they were capable of doing a full range motion bench and been pushing those a lot more and i've always been someone who loves board work i think board work is actually super helpful i think a lot of raw lifters can get a lot out of it they just don't want to use it but i've been really happy with the extended range of motion bars because like if you're if you're a raw lifter i mean everyone's gonna like you know people be like oh i'm weak off the chest i'm weak in the midpoint and weak at lockout like no, you're probably just weak off the chest and things get weird somewhere up along the line because like that's the mechanically weakest position because if you were weak, if you were weak at lockout, then when I do a three or four board press with you and you go a hundred pounds over your max, <laughs> is it really that you're weak at lockout or is it something happening before that's causing the problem? And it's weird because like for squat, I'll have you do high bar, which extends range of motion. For deadlift, I'll have you do a deficit, and then for bench, it's just like, oh, we're just going to bench more. Um, and the problem is, is like, yeah, we can do close grip, but now it's a different, it's a little bit of a different feel. We can do feet up, so you're not getting into as much of an arch, but it's not the same really. But now lately, like I said, I've been doing like um, get set, like you normally would be using one of those camera bars and really kind of pushing that. And I think that's been super helpful um, as people are beginning really like pretty strong on those camera bars. And then they go over to the bench and it like, it feels easy. It feels like a board press because they've been, you know, pressing somewhere between two and five inches longer than normal. That now when they go to their chest, it's like, oh, this is great. Um, so that's something I'm pretty happy with too. Um, yeah, like I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm mixing things all the time. I know like the, the Mars bar, when I first saw it, I was interested, wasn't super sure about it. 
Um, I'm pretty happy with that. That's, I think it's the best bar for good mornings. I think a lot of people just don't do good mornings, period. I think people are afraid of them. But the Mars bar good mornings feel great. You can load the crap out of them, but they, they really hit your hamstrings, glutes really well, and the low back not as taxing. Um, I think it's also, you know, a lot of people will go to – it's funny, though, like the, a lot of people will use the SSB – as like a secondary lift, but then won't touch any of the other bars. And I ask them why not. And they literally just don't know what they are. And I'm like, well, maybe the SSB is the right bar for you, or maybe you're just using it because everyone else is, but maybe like the giant camera bar would be a better bar for you. Um, you know, I've seen a couple people at the gym that we've gotten that recently for the first time and they're struggling. Um, so that's a good one. Um, and then the Mars bar, like, I think it's a nice secondary bar because you, take your upper body out of it a little bit. You know, you don't have to worry about holding the, um, the weight as much, but you can still load it. If not exactly to your low bar, pretty damn close. Um, so if you're a little bit beat up, that bar can help a lot. Um, and it just, you know, it mimics the positions, I think pretty well. Um, where SSB for a lot of people is going to be very different since most raw lifters are going low bar. Um, so I think there's benefits to both. I think it just depends on where you are in the training cycle. Um, and like I said, I'm just trying to be better about using, all the things that we have available to us and not just getting stuck in using certain things. I feel like there was one training cycle that we did where in the same week you'd ha you had me giant camera bar squat, but then also earthquake bar bench like a couple days later. I felt so stable after that <laughs> cycle of workout. <laughs> it was the worst objectively. It felt awful the entire time. But like, I think we are, at least as an athlete, I feel most comfortable in the things I do really well. So when you do give me things I hate, I'm like, I really don't want to do this. Right. And I think that's like my job as a coach is to find those things that you're bad at and that you don't like and get you better at them. Not saying you have to be good at them, but you have to be better at them. And I think that will carry over to the, the stuff you're good at. I've been saying today – um, to someone else that like, you know, in the off season, we work on your weaknesses on the in season. We work on your strengths. You know, I'm not really, if you're a sumo deadlifter, I don't really care what your conventional is four weeks out from a meet, but I do want to build it 20 weeks out from a meet. Cause I think it's going to help carry over to your other lifts. Um, you know, the earthquake bar is another one that people are like, they hate it for no reason. Cause they don't even know what it is. They just like, that's stupid. I'm not using that. I'm like, why don't you try it? Because like, you know, for someone like Tim who had had uh, pec tears going on over and over when we found out it was mostly because he's um, had injured his labrum in the past and the pec was kind of trying to <laughs> compensate and it was getting worse. And it would happen like every meet. Um, and we got and each time we got a little bit better, we get farther in the meet prep and it would, like we're like, oh, we're going to make it. And then it would happen again. Um, we introduced the earthquake bar and it hasn't happened since. Um, hopefully that, you know keeps up but like i think that's been a huge help it allows him to go like have a hard stimulus because i mean like he's had sets of like sets of five on that where he's pushed to the brink you know rp nine or ten but it's half the weight he uses normally so it doesn't beat him up the same and then the next day he'll be like man my shoulders my lats you know just are are fried and it's not so much like the pressing musculature necessarily but I think he gets a lot out of it. I think a lot of people get a lot of it. Like you said, the giant camera bar, like if you don't know how to brace, you're going to find out real fast. Like I can teach you how to brace or I can just put this bar on your back and say, squat it. Or I can say, squat it off a box, even worse. And then you try to lean forward off the box and come up and the bar just throws you. 
And then you learn very quickly how to like brace and maintain positioning. And I think like if you can learn it on your own without being told, I think that's going to have a bigger benefit than me saying, do this, do this, do this. So if I can put you in a position with a bar or a movement that you're like, Oh, now I know what to do. That's, I think that's way more helpful. I, I, I agree with that. I think it's, I've always come to think like, I don't know how people who are just constantly giving feedback and technique work uh, on the, on the main lifts, like, one like do you run out of shit to say like what else? like at some point it's just like you just have to how progress. much shit can you do wrong right and and it's how many cues like I, I i think the general idea like we think about is there's only so many cues that are or directions or or, or fixes that you can throw at someone for it's just like nothing's gonna stick or you're just throwing a million and confusing people um i've always thought that uh, uh an exercise or a bar that makes you do something uh, that addresses an issue or teaches you something without us having to explain uh, in depth and hope it works. Uh, why wouldn't you just go with that? Like if if you if a chest fall in a in a squat like safety squat bar, we'll show you that in real time. So why you know why avoid it? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, like go ahead. No, uh, I was just gonna say there's there's been times where you overhear in the gym someone asking advice on like oh it does my lift look a certain way or i think i'm like hyper extending in a certain position there's been times where i i mean i've seen both of you say where no you look fine so i don't know if there's if you guys notice that sometimes in the pursuit of like perfection for an athlete to be like oh i need to be perfect because that'll get me stronger you they miss out on like i don't know if it's a dinosaur mentality but the old school mentality of saying like Oh, I just need to get stronger, or I just need to do it in a way that makes me that makes makes me feel stronger without trying to mimic what it should be to be perfect. I think it's a little bit of both. Like, there's something to be said for just being just dumb strong. Like, it's going to help a lot. Um, but at the same time, I think you need to strive for great technique. I don't think you should go up there being like, "Well, my technique sucks. Who cares? I'm just strong." Um, I think that's going to lead to many issues, um, you know, either lost pounds off the bar because you're not as efficient or more fatigue built up because you're, you know, you're, you're being put yourself into kind of bad positions um, or an injury possibly happening because you're getting into something weird. I know that will is its own argument there. Um, but I, I think bad technique is something you need to work on. But I think there's this line of like, we set this standard of like, this is how we want you to lift. You know, you kind of look like this. And then as the weight gets heavy, it's going to change a little bit. Um, but the goal is then to find kind of that weight that it doesn't change and it looks good and spend more time there and get good at that. So then when you go a little bit heavier, it doesn't break down until even more, you know, so like you were squatting 200 kilos, like, well, now it doesn't break down until 202 instead of 20 instead of 197. Um and we can kind of keep working our way up like that. And I think a great way to do that is, like I said, to use those other bars that are going to take whatever you do wrong and just amplify it so you can feel it. Um, you know, we're talking about someone that was that benches with a, like a really big elbow flare. And they just, you know, we're trying to say like, okay, tuck your elbows, bring your elbows close to your ribs, blah, blah, blah. And they just like, it just didn't kind of click. Well, take this Swiss bar, which you physically can't flare your elbows. Do 10 reps of that. 
I'm like, you know where your elbows were on that one? They're like, yeah. I'm like, do that now with the straight bar. And like the next set, it was like, oh, there it is. I'm like, okay, now we got to find that like the right middle ground. But now it just it took one little thing with that for them to get it. Um, and I said, I would rather do that than to just sit there and cue you for five hours. Um, but like I said too, like how much shit are you doing wrong? It's a pretty simple movements. Like they're not. You know, I, I, I always bring up baseball, but like, I don't know, squatting is way simpler than me throwing a baseball 60 feet, six inches and trying to hit a target. Um, the mechanics are way easier. Um, so how much are you doing wrong? Like, yeah, I mean, I know things can can be off and then you have to work on them. But I mean, if it's off with the bar, if it's off with 35 percent of your max, then there's just there's a problem. You need to take a step back and fix that. But once someone knows these basic things. And they know how to squat. They know how to bench. They know how to deadlift. Then they should be fine up until 70, 80, 90%. Like it should be fairly similar. And then once it gets up there, that's when you're going to start seeing the changes. But that's when you need you need to, that I said, that's where you need to work. Um, that's why I don't love like the, the really low RPE sets because I don't think you're getting a lot of that work in. I think and using the fatigue of a higher RPE set. It's going to help you get that work in because as you fatigue, things start to break down more. So now you can work on it. So like, if you know that you, you're going to break down real hard on rep seven, do six, um, but don't do three. You know, I don't, I don't know. I just don't like RP five, six. Um, I think you need to work harder to get a lot of that in, but you need to work smarter too. You can't just lift like shit. And like you can here and there, but it's not going to work in the long run. Um, and like I said, I know a lot of people are arguing with me that like that, you know, there's nothing more injurious about lifting a bad technique than good technique. And I'm, I just don't agree with that. Um, you know, the idea of like with tissue, tissue tolerance and load management, all that, I said, that's great. But like, I think when you're in a bad position, the tissue has less tolerance because it's not doing what it should be doing. So then less load ends up being more damaging. So you have more issues. Um, you know, I don't see a lot of people like really get hurt in good positions. So I don't know. I think I'm just making all this shit up. (laughs) I think the, uh, I mean, uh, like for both sides of the spectrum, I, it's so rare. I think where we see someone who was just like, fuck technique. I'm just going to like muscle this up. Like that is so rare in our sport, in our gym. just what I see, um, I think it's it's the opposite side of the spectrum where people lie, where it's like they're never satisfied or like some little thing was off, but they got the lift, but like it didn't count. It it wasn't good enough. Like it, it, I think I see a lot more of that like neuroticism where it's like uh, people strive for perfection in training mm-hmm. and they forget it's still training. Like it, it's just like a, it, it, I see it very often. I don't know if it's because of people obsessing with people they see on social media that are stronger than them or doing better than them. Um, but it's, it's, I think for a while it's been, people are obsessed with technique and almost like chasing a rabbit. That's not, it's like, they don't, there's nothing, there's no prototype for what it needs to be. It's just, they know it's not right. And it just seems like they're unhappy. And like, why, why are you doing this? If you're just unhappy every day, (laughs) but But I think that's um, like I said that that's where I think some people are. I think there are a lot of people that just are like, oh, I just get strong, don't worry about it. Um, but you're right. I think there's some people that like, you know, if the bar is off by an inch in a in a single direction, like, well, I have to fix that. Well, like, do you have to? 
or is it like maybe that's just you maybe you're internal anatomy, which we can't see is a little bit different side to side. You know, maybe your left hip has more is just more rotated than the other one. So like, it's going to put your foot in a little bit different position. And that doesn't mean you're going to get hurt doing it. doesn't mean that you need to fix it. That's just you. And I think like a lot of people kind of find their natural positions. Once they have the idea of like, this is how the lift should occur. They kind of find what works for them very quickly. You know, like the way I teach a deadlift is not how I deadlift, but it's pretty damn close. Like my feet, I stand very narrow. Um, and most people would not go as narrow as I do, but I don't teach it like that. I start them with a slightly wider stance and then like we start to play around and they're like, what feels better? And if it feels better there, then like, yeah, okay, do that. But like you kind of start with the standard and kind of, and then figure out what's the individual aspect of it from there but you don't start from some weird spot or to nitpick certain things. I think that's the problem. Is I, think, I think some things are being like hyper-focused on that don't matter. Um, and it's, I think it's hard sometimes as a coach to be like, well, what does matter then? And that's, you know, I don't know. I think you have to, you kind of have to have your standard of what a lift should be and what it should look like and how it works. And once you do that, then you can kind of go from there. But I'm not super worried about a lot of things that people ask me about. Um, I think, you know, as a powerlifter, you have to lift a standard. And like, you know, the rule says that you can lit, you can lock out the bar unevenly and it's still a good lockout. So as long as the bar doesn't dip, what's the problem if it's a little uneven? It doesn't have to be perfectly straight. It probably won't be once the weight gets heavy. And even if it is, is that going to make you a stronger bencher? Maybe, maybe not. So like, I'm not super worried about that but if you're flaring your elbow so hard off your chest that they're above your shoulders and your rotator cuffs are all jacked up because you're benching like like shit like that i'm gonna care about so i think that's a you know i want really good technique but at the same time i want you to to not think about it i want you you know i wanted to i want it to happen um and we could talk about it after the set and i talk about that with weightlifting is like with weightlifting I give so few cues because it's such a fast lift. It's like, go do it. And afterwards, it's like, well, this is what you did. So do this on the next one. But with powerlifting, you've got people that are yelling nine things at you in the middle of a lift. And you're like, shut the hell up. I Like, I know, but, you know, and when the weight's super heavy, yeah, I know I'm supposed to lock my knees. I'm trying. But, like, maybe it's hard. But, you know... I don't know. And, you know, when the weight's light, I think people need to focus a little bit more when it's lighter. Um, I think when, the, when it's heavier, they need to attack it as though they're going to do it and not be scared of it. Um, but also treat it with the, with the right, um, standardization. Cause like I said, like the, the ones I always get are like the short lockouts, the soft lockouts, the, well, I, I cut it high, but I'll get it on meet day. No, you didn't cut it high. You were either, you either weren't strong enough. So your body was like, oh shit, stand up. Or you were afraid of the weight. If you don't cut it all the time and then you suddenly cut it, you didn't choose to cut it. You just, it just happened. It was too late. You couldn't fix that. So figure it out, get stronger, you know, be less afraid of it. Yeah. Figure out what it is, but it's not like you're just gonna be like, Oh, it'll be there on meet day. No, it won't be. You'll, you're going to squat it high. That a uh, phenomenon of, uh, not fun, but like we've talked so much about how at meets it blows my mind when, a coach or a handler or someone will like list off like 10 things before they go perform the one rep of the one thing. 
like it's going to help where like let me give you like let me walk you through the entire thing you're about to do and give you technique uh things to think about um go do it in front of a crowd yeah on meet day that should be the last thing if you don't know that stuff already then it's, it's too late yeah go stand up push the bar away from you great job you know like if you're trying to teach the person how to do the movement in that moment, it's way too late. Yeah. Um, Luke was making fun of me today. Cause they said like, when we did his weightlifting meet, the cue I gave him before every lift was pull hard, pull harder, pull the shit out of it. I didn't like, I wasn't like do this with your elbows and do this with your feet. I literally was just like, go up there and pull it fucking hard. And he went six for six. So fantastic. You know, like I think the same thing with powerlifting. It's like, you know what to do. Like go do it. Maybe or maybe like maybe it's like the one thing that they need to work on. But like again, if we did it in training, hopefully it's going to be there. And then you know on that PR attempt, like that's where it's going to break down. But hopefully we did a good enough job that they can fight through it, um, and we gave them the right stuff that they know how to get through it. But it's it's not like if you if you look if you're if everything looks perfect on meet day. You know, you went nine for nine, 27 white lights, and all your reps were just perfection. I didn't try that hard. <laughs> and I don't really understand why you're doing this. Like, yeah, try the goal hard. is to go three for nothing. Yes. <laughs> Open with a max. Hope for the best. JB Dreams. <laughs> no, no, we're, you no longer. It's all right. Wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs> this is not a place to achieve your dream. Well, I mean, I've, like during that whole uh, Shmeli game, it got me. I really want to ask a really dumb question. Are there things that you want to say to athletes, but like as a coach, you're like, ah, man, I need to be somewhat professional. Here. <laughs> it's. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you guys know full well who you're talking to, so that's not the case for me. Um, yeah, I know. I've had other coaches be like, "Whoa, I can't believe you do that." Mike, it is what it is. Like. You know, there's a line, don't cross it, but like you can push it. And everyone's line is different. So you got to know what the line is. Like, I, you know, I'll say something different to you than I will to some other people. But like, you know, sometimes the hard truth is, is what you need to hear. And maybe you need it in a way that is not sugar coated. Well, I mean, that's true. But uh, is there anything that you guys are, sort of looking forward to in terms of like this 2024 year at least performance training programming wise event wise life wise i don't know i'm just really looking forward to achieving my dreams uh, personally but... we don't do that here these oh, performance sorry, training sorry. no longer sorry. no longer a place to achieve dreams sorry. sorry i will i so i i mean i'll give a real like uh you know the usapl kind of could say championships since this will get posted Next week, uh, those are March 16th and maybe 17th, depending on how many people sign up. Um, I'm super pumped about that one. Um, you know, we put Spots a going we fast. put a Q, we put a dots QT on that this year. Um, and some people were like, "Oh, it's not that high," and I'm like, "Really?" Because I just cut half the state out in one swipe. Um, so it might not be high for someone who's very good, but for most lifters, it, it it's a it's a tough number to hit. Um, so that pushed a lot of people out. Um, I'm pretty happy about that of having it be more like a true state championship or like if you're there, it's because you really earned getting there. And uh, my plan is each year to do this is to up that QT even higher until we get to the point where like 
maybe we only have the top three to five lifters in a weight class doing states and like it's the whole meet is prime time basically um you know people ask me about this one i don't know if we're gonna do prime time this year uh because everyone's so much better i I don't necessarily want to split people up um the cool one which i think we're gonna try to do some maybe a podcast with is that we've got like 1100 kilo guys in which is crazy because you almost never get that many um but like seven of the 11, I think it is, are like going to take a shot at qualifying for nationals. Um, it's like nine or 10 of the 11 are going to take a shot at dots. Uh, hitting dots is a uh, dot score over 400. And then there's like another, there's like six maybe that are trying to hit a dot score like over 450. Um, all in one meet at the same, you know, in Connecticut. I think that's awesome. Um, so I'm super pumped about that meet. Um and then, you know, we, we've, we've got, um, we talked about, I think in one of the other ones, we've got the rising tide meet in New Jersey. Um, we've got Lee and Stephanie going to that one. That should be pretty cool. Um, you know, nationals was a little bit of a weird thing. So uh, for those of you that know that, like uh, USAPL run nationals, uh, really almost none of our team got in, even though a bunch of people qualified. Um, I think we only have three signed up right now out of the like, 20 that qualified um so it, it's that's going to be different this year that's not really going to be a big part of what we're doing um but i'm trying to you know maybe we can figure out something for connecticut in the meantime too so that's i mean i guess that's a bit like for i'm, I'm you know there's more but like at least on the, on the horizon that's the stuff that's coming up for me that i'm thinking about yeah i mean i'm, I'm i don't have any I don't have any goals, any aspirations, anything I'm excited God about. God damn it, Brian. How are you supposed to achieve your dreams? That's true. <laughs> Just keep trying. 